Hello, Zoomers. Oh, see, I can see them. After about the second row, I can't see that far. I had eye surgery. She's right. The good-looking ones are in the film. All right. I'm surprised there are that many people here for the traditions. Usually, everybody runs away when they hear about the traditions. They don't want to. I was one of them when I was new, and, I, and like the book says, um, we leave it to the old timers. It's their problem. We're just trying to get better, you know. And uh, we'll we'll talk about those things later. The people I sponsor have been bugging me for years to come and do this. Um, you know, when are we going to do the traditions? And I I usually uh, say someday. You know, <laughs> you know what that means <laughs> if I ever get around to it. I, what I'm going to do for this is I'm going to read the traditions and share my experience, strength, and hope of things that have happened to me over the years. And I'm, because I'm not a teacher or anything, I don't, I don't have cards and I don't have all that, but. Uh, I do have some experience with the traditions uh, as far as that goes. Uh, the first thing I wanted to read was um, this is from Alcoholics Anonymous when AA comes of age. The, they had a conference where Bill and Bob were going to turn AA over to us, everybody, because they said, when can we join AA? You know, for years they were, everything went through them, and they wanted to just come to a meeting and sit there and just become part of, and so that's how the traditions developed, and at this conference, it says, what would happen when AA's originators and old-timers had gone, would AA continue to grow and prosper? Could we go on functioning as a whole, no matter what perils the future brought? Had AA really come up to the age of full responsibility? AA's in your hands now. And it says, could members and groups worldwide now safely assume complete control and guidance of AA's principal affairs. Would AA now be able to take over from the old timers, from Dr. Bob and from Bill? If so, by what agency and just how? I thought that was um, pertinent to what we were going to talk about. And um, I have a this convention, how important this convention was to turn AA over to us. Bernard Smith, who was the chairman at the, at the convention, uh, he said, I now declare the fifth annual conference of the General Service Conference in session. And this is when they were going to adopt the traditions. He 
he asked Bill to speak on it. Bill said, We stand on the brink of a momentous decision. It's one of the most solemn hours in which this society will ever live, for we are able to confirm its permanent structure. Some of us may think that structurally speaking, we are quite unique, but this is not so. A is not unique in its uh, teachings or, or anything. Our principles of recovery are borrowed, and so are most of our structural ideas. In AA, we can see many of the means by which men and women over the centuries have tried to unite themselves, and each of these techniques of associations has its assets and its liability. AA is in our hands. That's why these traditions are so important. All right, we'll start here. I have a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's all going to be brought in. Okay, tradition one. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. What does that mean? You ever go to a meeting and somebody's taking over the meeting? They're running their mouth and you, and you want to get out of there? Because you don't really want to be there? AA as a whole is not being served, except for one individual. If you've never had that happen, it's probably you. <laughs> We, we know that um, our common welfare should come first and so that person usually is removed and that happened many times over the years when I went to AA meetings. The person was taken out of the meeting because the common welfare of everyone should come first. Uh, it doesn't mean we, we throw them to the curb usually they were taken into another room or something and talked to because people were here to get sober we're here to, to live and um, if we if we allow that nonsense you might as well go to a bar you know you might as well go to a bar It also says we're a selfish program. After all the miseries of active alcoholism, why shouldn't we indulge ourselves a little? We all know one good reason why we shouldn't. Self-indulgence of this kind is an immediate personal danger. It threatens the individual's own sobriety. More than that, it threatens the very basis of our sobriety when someone tries to take over and, and uh, run, the, you're, we're gonna run the meeting the way I see it. It doesn't work that way. It says our common welfare. And that's so important. It's the only thing that's kept us together all these years. Now AA may never survive another hundred years or whatever, but for today, our common welfare has to come first. The unity of the AA group
is what's important. We're all in this together. Al-Anon talks about in, in their first uh, uh, tradition how important it is for us to as fam- we're really a family. You know, we're all in this together. Uh, Kevin asked, when Kevin asked me to talk about the traditions, I was thinking of the traditions that my family had. You know, we always used to get together on Christmas. We did things together. And it's kind of the way AA is. We do things together. You know, most of the time we have we have picnics. We have we had a wonderful dinner last week. It was uh, amazing. Um, you know, and we every we all have our odd cousin, and if you don't know who that is, it's probably you <laughs> or Kevin. <laughs> but it's true. We all come in here with different personalities. We we all have our own ideas. And we're told, well, in my case, anyways, I was told by old-timers, just sit down and shut up. You don't have anything to offer. And then after I got some time, I thought, I had a lot to offer, and you guys were going to hear about it. And then I was told, oh, why don't you just sit down and shut up? (laughs) By older-timers. I've been asked to leave meetings because I brought up a sore subject and I I was told not to ever come back to that meeting again. I was doing 12-step work and I couldn't get anybody to come. So I marched down to one of our local meetings and there were a whole bunch of old-timers sitting in the back and I said, it must be nice to sit around and tell stories while people are out there dying. And I was told never to come back. And I didn't. (laughs) Most of those guys are gone now. Each of our 11 traditions explains one specific way to protect the unity of the fellowship and the AA group, groups. These early members quickly recognized power drivers as political or potential group wreckers, and they're still around. The members who are always sure that they're always right. (laughs) The members who are happily ready to assume all the burdens of leadership and grimly unwilling to share them, let alone give them up the problem in A today. We don't pass our service positions along fast enough. And it's the same people doing the same jobs all the time. To become a part of, you have to do the service work. To truly be part of. And it helps our common welfare because the more people that are involved, uh, the better our group seems to be. It says that the a group does does need officers, and we'll talk about that in tradition two. Okay. So, basically, these these this is a very simple concept. 
we're either all in this together or we're not in it at all. You know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've, I've been able to travel around a lot to different meetings all around country and in the, in the world. And uh, basically it's the same exact thing that I see here. You know, the, the people are all in it together. And uh, so, before, I have to tell myself, before I give an opinion on a subject, how does it help the group? Or does it just benefit me? And I, I have to be careful. And if I don't understand the answer, I have to uh, ask a sponsor or, and run it by other people. Because sometimes I think I know the answer, but I don't. It's hard to watch people in AA mess up and have to let them do it. Because sometimes that's the only way they learn. And that's what was done to me. I've done things stupidly, going on 12-step calls by myself, things like that. And, and luckily nothing's happened. But old-timers, you always see them sitting around in the back, and they smile a lot because they remember when. You know, we remember when we came in, we were shaking and and how bad it hurt, and um, the anxiety, right, Sergio? Yeah. You know, he brings back that memory so I can remember that anxiety. And that's our common welfare again. You know, that's why we always have a, a new person, or try to have a new person by our side. So, that's basically what I have what time is it? On, on the first tradition I'm sure there'll be some um, questions about it uh, after I'm done and now we move to the second tradition it's my favorite for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And then they have some examples. And they talk about, now that I've been elected, elected secretary, I'll show this group some real leadership. <laughs> There's only one way to do this, and I'll tell you how to do it. We'll take our money and establish a fund. A lot of us who've been around for a long time have had missing money <laughs> over the years. And they usually say, oh, they went on vacation, you know. Bill and Bob, uh, they got Lois said they, they got kicked out of the Oxford group because all they wanted to talk about was alcoholism. And I thought that was pretty funny because it, in here it says um, they have a chairman who says now, now shall we stop talking about the program? 
let's talk about other stuff. Why do we have to talk about that? We talk about it every week. How many times do you hear, are they going to read that again? It's so repetitive. It's so repetitive. Repetition is what saves us. Um, my sponsor said it's like a toothache. You know, you can't, you can remember having a toothache, but you can't refill the pain. You could think about it. So we have to keep hearing this stuff. I remember when. And a lot of us come to meetings and we'll hear an old timer sit down and start pontificating about how things were. My problem is I was there. <laughs> and I remember my first general service meeting uh, was up at Holy Rosary and there were 30 GSRs there from every group. It was amazing. And they all talked and they all came to consensus which was really good. But over a period of time they all broke up into all these little districts <laughs> because one didn't like what the other was doing. And now they're all coming back. And that's over a 45 year span. A is both a democracy and in Bill's words, a benign anarchy. A group elects its own officers who have no power to order anybody to do anything. You just got the job. <laughs> uh, some people think it's bad to have the job, but these guys are so important. I mean, without our secretary treasurers and our chairman and our home group members, people who actually care about uh, doing the work we would fall apart. New guys, step it up. If a group wants to be part of the whole AA service structure, it elects a GSR for a two-year term. And What that does is the group has a, a voice then. And that voice is taken to, from district to down to area, area to New York, and they talk about uh, what their concerns were. So you have a voice. If you don't like the way AA is going, tell your GSR, tell them to take it down to the area. And I remember going down to area and, and listening to them, you know, argue. But their arguments were after AAs are famous for eating. You know, they'll argue like hell, but then they'll sit down and have a meal together. <laughs> yeah. It's the equalizer. The conference is about the closest approximation of a government that AA has. It produces opinions on important matters of policy. It approves the choice of some trustee nominees for the general service board and directly elects other. All the years that I've been in this fellowship, 
I never realized what they did until I got involved with all of that. Because, and I didn't even think it was important. I figured one drunk talking to another was what was important. But I didn't realize that they were dropping literature off at truck stops and they were taking, and I was part of that, but I didn't do that when they would call and say, you gotta pick some guy up and take him to a meeting. That was part of that service structure. And it's all, it's all interconnected. You know, um, then it says here, then who's in charge around here? Who is running the show? The ultimate authority is the spiritual concept of the group conscience. We all vote on things. Some, most times we're right. Sometimes we get it wrong once in a while. Maybe the information's not as factual, but most times we get it right. The, re the results are on a yes and no count. My minority ideas get thoughtful attention. Small group of people want to do something. The group says no, but we listen to them. We don't tell them, get out. We listen to them. Sometimes good things come out of there. Sometimes those things are, are uh, down the road. We see the, the how smart they were. And it says, what about that annoying character who always sure she's right? Why did they say she? <laughs> if she's wrong, then she will. If she remembers the first tradition as well as the second, go along with the decision of the group conscience. I did not like some of the things my home group did. And I was pissed when they outvoted me. When they started signing slips. I quit. I was secretary and treasurer of that group for years and I said I'm not. And my sponsor was the one who said it was okay. And so it was my sponsor and me going head to head about it. Years later, I found out I was wrong. Because a guy came in and said that the court had sent him to AA meetings and he's been sober for 15 years. I was wrong. I said, we are not beholden to the courts. But what is our primary purpose? Stay sober and help other alcoholics. That's what's more important than my ideas. All these traditions, as well as the steps, are all geared for the newcomer, all geared for the, for the, uh, for the sobriety of helping the newcomers. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And now we go to set, uh, tradition three. I'm trying to get through this. The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. No one in Alcoholics Anonymous can kick anyone out of Alcoholics Anonymous. Bill Wilson said it. No matter what. We can ask you to leave if you're disrupting a me meeting. But if you say you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, you are. That's, that's different than any other organization. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. What, 
early days, and that was born, that was, that was born out of a lot of arguments. In the early days, there were people with money who wanted to have their own meetings. There were people who, um, maybe got out of prison that they didn't want them there. Um, there were people who had um, a whole bunch of things wrong with them, mental health issues, drug addiction, all that stuff. But if they had a desire to stop drinking, they were a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what separates us from so many other organizations. It says, is every organization entitled to have rules for membership? Why did AA decide to forgo this privilege? To be inclusive, never exclusive. All are welcome. There were a lot of edicts and requirements for membership early on in sobriety. I remember my first meeting, I walked into the club and I went to sh my sponsor said shake hands with everybody and I walked up to shake their hand and um, they didn't ask my name they didn't care they said we don't care who's your sponsor who sponsored you in here and I would tell them they'd say oh okay you're all right it was a little different time then a little different thing um, <coughs> The people who came to those meetings were mostly off the streets. They drank uh, sterno through bread. They, uh, um, they smelled horribly. They had seizures in meetings and nobody was asked to leave. In Cleveland, there was a guy who came every week to the meeting with a, a bottle of wine and sat in the back and there was always a hundred people in that meeting or more and nobody cared as long as he was quiet. And he was quiet as a church mouse and he drank his wine back there. Obi used to carry a bottle with him all the time for people who went into DTs at the meeting. And that happened on occasion. We took many people to the hospital right from meetings. And we had people die on the way to the meetings from uh, acute alcoholism. Today, it's a little different because uh, there's so much more known and, and um, uh, hospitalizations can help. And, um, you know, most people who come into AA, uh, they're getting it quicker. And um, so maybe they're not as tore up as they were. I used to run marathons <laughs> and I would run through the park at Perry Square and all the guys that were in the park you know they slept under newspapers they smelled bad I knew every one of their names because on Monday at the meeting they would come to the club and they would feed them and I would run through the park and I I would sit down with them and they'd say how are so-and-so how are they doing at the meetings and some of them got sober. And so I could tell you their names, but I don't want to break their anonymity. And sometimes they, I, I've heard people gasp when we would bring somebody into a meeting. 
because the smell was so bad. I took one, I, I, I took one guy to a meeting. I drug him out from under a porch on Parade Street. And I took him down to the meeting. And um, I said, you sit here. And I went to get him a cup of coffee. It was a Saturday night meeting, Perry Group. And next thing I know, he's leading. <laughs> Herbie, who I had with me, could not control him because Herbie was old. And that's when I had gotten into that argument about I can't get anybody to go on a 12-step call. And he said, I will go. And he lived at the Soldiers and Sailors home. We ended up, and that was a sad night because we ended up talking to him till four in the morning and no hospital would take him because of his track record. He'd always go in there and sober up and then leave. And they didn't want him back. And then he was, he died. I sponsored another guy who, who died um, because um, he could not give himself completely to this simple program. About nine-tenths of our oldest and best members could never have gotten into Alcoholics Anonymous because of the old rules. They would not have let you in. I used to kid Carol King. I said, AA was good till they let women in. <laughs> we never talked about feelings. We never talked about relationships. And then she would punch me like she always did. <laughs> She was my service sponsor when I did service work. Now, look at you look around, most of them, you are in, a lot of you in here are women, which is uh, wonderful. You guys know how to cook. <laughs> did I just say that out loud? Did, you, uh, did I say, you know how to clean? No. I, I had to say something to make you laugh. <laughs> no, the wonderful thing about the people in AA is today I have phone numbers of women. If someone is struggling, I can have them call that person. That's what's important. And a long time ago, there was only three or four people that had phone numbers out there. You know, Beverly D, and there's a few of them only. And so when, yeah, you can go to the meeting, and then they would come to the meeting, and if there wasn't a woman there, it was kind of awkward. You know, they tell us that we shouldn't talk to them and stuff. You know, we tell them about the program, but we don't. We don't thirteenth uh, step or whatever it's called. I know it's 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 a sore subject, but today, I think we're well. The fastest growing segment of Alcoholics Anonymous today is from retirees, and uh, it's because of. The re they retire and they do nothing but drink and then they end up with us and they have a life for the first time. They're able to uh, interact and share with people again. They don't sit at home and drink themselves to death. So we've thrown away all the membership rules and regulations that might keep you out. 
we want you to have the same chance for sobriety that we have. We're not afraid you'll harm us, never mind how twisted or violent you may be. TJ. <laughs> We've had problems over the years with people coming into groups who were, um, their interest was not um, on sobriety or helping another human being. Their interests were all self-serving self um, you know it was all about self and that's and that's why we have these traditions today is to get rid of self you know we're not that important I'm not important to Alcoholics Anonymous at all I mean I've been here a long time but you guys will go on just fine without me as long as you would keep following these traditions and it's important to to realize that you know, they talk about humility as being our greatest strength. It's what keeps us from uh, thinking we're more than what we are. We're not all that we are, and we're not all that we think we are bad. But in the middle, we're somewhere in the middle. And we have to realize that. So when you go to an AA meet, why do you go? There used to be a pamphlet out called The Faithful Few. When New York and Cleveland had their first meeting together, it broke out into a fist fight. And the Cleveland group walked out and said, we're not going to follow them damn traditions. We're not doing what you're saying. They followed the four absolutes. And they had, and when I came in, they still were arguing. <laughs> but in 1951 these traditions were adopted and because they were adopted by all of us I guess I guess Cleveland wanted their AA New York wanted their AA and then it all came together finally in 1951 when these traditions were adopted The last thing I can say about this tradition is believing in paradoxes as we do we must still realize that the more the society of Alcoholics Anonymous as such tends to its own affair and minds its own business the greater will be our general influence on the population because we do not deviate we don't become professionals we don't go out and try to um, uh, force our way onto other people. And we'll talk about that when we talk about God. You know, we have to be very careful. The less there will be any opposition to us. There, are, there is opposition out there to Alcoholics Anonymous. The wider will be the circle in which our fellowship will likely to enjoy the confidence and respect of all. To be a respected human being, um, we must be principled people. Um, and I think uh, by following these traditions and having the principles of the fellowship, uh, AA gets respected uh, all around the world. And we must keep these traditions 
exactly as they're written. Oops, did I get rid of you guys? Okay. So I think that's about it for the third tradition. So that's about it for you guys. Thank you, Jim. Okay. Is there any questions and answers? Or questions followed by answers? <laughs> You're getting better, Ryan. Yeah. Greg does a really good job at this. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Tre Trevor, alcoholic. Hi, Trevor. Really, really enjoyed your presentation tonight, first three traditions. And uh, just about, I don't know, three, four minutes before you wrapped it up, you said something that kind of, I kind of, I kind of like. But I wanted you to kind of, I'm going to ask you to kind of uh, go into it a little bit more, which was, um, you said, you know, you, you feel that AA will be okay as long as we don't deviate. And I would take that to mean deviate from our primary purpose, deviate from our mission to stay sober, help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. So how would you, with that in mind, and with your experience, how would you address those who say, well, you know, that's fine 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, but, you know, times are different and alcohol equals X and alcohol equals Y and alcohol equals Z. So can't we be something to everybody? Thanks. Well, we know from um, our history that I, th I believe it was the Oxford group. They'd, uh, they got into everything. And they started to, um, and by doing that, then they broke into factions. We don't ever want to do that because and our whole society is based on learning from each other. If we start comparing this one to that one, that's when we don't relate. And so we have to stay true to task. Um, so I can't, if you're, if you're having trouble with your marriage, I'm not a marriage counselor. If you're having trouble spending money or you're in debt and all that, I, that's not my thing. But if you have a drinking problem, I'll go to the wall for you because somebody did it for me. You know? If I can't help you, I may try to... Uh, our, our trustees have told us we went up to Buffalo recently and they've told us that um, we don't we don't get involved in all that but we try to steer them to the to the proper place so whether it's a marriage counselor or, or whatever whatever they need that's that's what we do because if you know you're setting yourself up bad if you try to do that, you know, and as far as um, um, all the other stuff that you're talking about, I don't know anything about that. So I can't help with what I don't know. 
You know, and I'll step aside and let whoever can do that do that. Does that answer your question? Anyone else have a question? <laughs> I know everyone's shocked. <laughs> I've been taking notes. Hi, everyone. Gretchen, alcoholic. Um, first of all, thank you, Jim. Because one of the things you said at the beginning, which I've never thought about it this way, <clears throat> is that the 12 traditions, like family traditions, mm -hmm. that are consistent and keep the legacy going. So thank you for that, because I never thought of it in that way. Um, <clears throat> I have several questions, but I'll try and condense it down to okay. one, one A, one B. <laughs> in the, I know, right? In the second tradition, mm -hmm. it talks about um, the ultimate authority being a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I get asked are two things. As a group, how do you define God within the group conscience? And what is a group conscience? Most groups have what they call home group members. And uh, whenever there's a uh, something that has to be decided upon for that group, they will all come together and they will vote on whatever it is they're going to be doing. Um, I know from for my, um, whenever I go into a group con conscious type meeting, I ask God for help. Whenever I work with a new guy, I ask God for help. And then what comes out, comes out. And I believe that that's what's supposed to happen. There is a couple times, and Bill Wilson talked about it, um, where the group conscience made a decision and it was the wrong one. There was an old timer who, who sat in the back and said, you guys are wrong. But you can be wrong. We have to let you be wrong. You know, as we can pout. You know, I'm not going to that meeting again like I did when they started doing all that other crap. But I, I have the right to be wrong. It just, it's okay. You know, I've learned over the years that uh, most of the stuff that used to bother me like that is insignificant. You just, you just let it all, whatever, you know. Does that answer that? I have a part C in that. Part C? <laughs> Having said that, have you ever been involved in a fourth step inventory in a group conscience? Yes, many years ago, our, our meetings used to take, uh, once a year, they would take an inventory. Uh, they haven't done it for many years now. Um, but it was a common thing. They would they, We would make an announcement. Uh, next week, we're going to have a uh, group inventory. And what usually we talked about was who's doing what. Are we going to change, uh, you know, who who's doing the jobs, who are getting, you know, and all that stuff. They, they call it a group conscience meeting now but before it was a group inventory meeting. Thanks, Gretchen. One more quick question, if anyone. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks again, Jim.